0: Hello and welcome to the Organic Wine Podcast. I'm Adam Huss coming to you from the heart of Los Angeles, California. Thank you so much for listening. This is a special episode, more than an episode. It's a direct request to all of you listening right now. Here's the request. Let's solve the glass bottle problem right now. If you've been listening to this podcast recently, the name Oom should be familiar with you. They're a sponsor of this podcast, and they are a company based here in my fair city that is tackling the bottle reuse challenge head on. They've begun collecting, delabeling, cleaning, and sanitizing wine bottles to resell. They've encountered some problems that they can't solve on their own. They need you, or really, we all need each other. As you listen to this conversation with OOM co-founder Amy Lee, you'll see what I mean. Amy wants Oom to help eliminate single-use packaging across all industries. The scope of this conversation is mainly focused on California, but this is a conversation that needs to happen and is happening everywhere. The reason I wanted to get this conversation out to you is because any of us trying to do this anywhere, and there are many of us who already are, will encounter the same problems. We are already encountering the same problems. And sharing these problems and our potential solutions to them help move us forward as a global community of winemakers much more quickly in our efforts to resolve these issues and move to consensus and collaboration and solutions. The main issues come down to two things right now that all of us listening can help make happen. First, we need to use label materials that can be removed without chemical processes and second we need to agree on just a handful, maybe four standard bottle shapes and colors that we can all use. If we buy new glass why do we need to do this (laughs) why is this conversation not only important but urgent because glass is far and away the biggest source of emissions for the wine industry and reusing bottles can drastically reduce the emissions associated with producing and using new glass also most wine bottles don't get recycled in the u.s those of you listening in europe do much better with your recycling but in the u.s we recycle less than 31 percent of our wine bottles And the bad news about recycling glass is that it produces a lot of emissions to heat glass to close to 3,000 degrees Fahrenheit so that it can be remolded. So, even with recycling, it's not an ideal solution. Reuse really is the way forward. My hope is that those of you listening now can choose to alter your bottle and label purchasing behavior immediately to begin to facilitate a transition to a reuse system. If you're not, a wine producer. Tell your favorite producers about this opportunity. Let them know you'd like them to embrace these bottling choices, and that you'd not only be okay with it, you'd love it. If you are a winemaker, get everyone involved that you know. Everyone at your Custom Crush, all of your other winemaking friends. Get a, get everyone onto the same bottles and labels. Spread this podcast and this message to everyone you know in wine. Because it will take all of us, we'll, and we'll need to work with the glass producers, too. My hope is that all of us who listen to this podcast and embrace this and spread the word about what we're doing and why and will generate a groundswell of publicity and support that will begin to influence those who make decisions at places like Kendall Jackson and Gallo because they'll see this as an easy way to capitalize on a smart idea to get some great publicity if for no other reason I was at a local wine fair yesterday here in Los Angeles for natural wine producers I think every producer and supporter there was philosophically receptive to this kind of change But what it was lacking was a moment in the center of that event where someone called everyone in attendance to attention and rallied us all together as a community of like-minded individuals who have a lot of power to make that change happen and appeal to us to take action to make it happen. This is that appeal. And if you are hosting or organizing an event or know someone who is, please consider structuring that moment into your festival Hey, invite me. I'd be happy to stand up and talk about this. Whether it's to instigate action, to create a bottle reuse program, or a three-minute appeal to make any other change happen that we desperately need to make, I'm beginning to feel like these festivals are missed opportunities to do something important. We have linear systems in place right now. Linear systems can only exist if we assume that Earth's resources are infinite, if we assume that we can continue to take without giving back. We all know this assumption is tragically wrong. Linear systems have dead ends. And so it's time to set up a new circular system based on the assumption that our world and its resources are precious and finite and require us to give back on the same level at which we take. This conversation is about how we start to do that. Let's build on this and move forward. I will post a lot of great resources on the episode page at organicwinepodcast.com. And you'll find resources at oom.earth as well. That's oom.earth for our only mission is earth. Also, please connect with me if you have ideas, resources, or connections to share at connect at organicwinepodcast.com. Let's make some positive change happen. Thank you. Amy, welcome. Thank you for doing this.
1: Yeah, thanks so much, Adam, for having me. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you.
0: I am too. And for, for many reasons, I really enjoy talking to you. And I think this is so vitally important to the wine industry, this conversation we're about to have. And you are, you know, the person of, of you are the representative at the moment who is really making some amazing things happen with this. And so we're gonna we're gonna be talking about packaging for wine, but can can you talk a little bit? Just that that doesn't sound super sexy, but can you talk about why it's so vital to for us to be talking about?
1: Yeah, I mean, so for Oom, the reason we created this company is to really go on a mission of create, creating a world where we eliminate single use packaging overall across all different verticals. And the reason we need to do that, number one, is just get rid of plastic pollution overall. Um, you know, any single-use packaging is typically not recycled and just goes directly into to landfill, much more than we know. Um, and secondly, when they are in reusable materials such as glass, um, you know, we really need to be conserving as many resources as we can and that's really the mission that we're on and in terms of you know wine specifically this is an industry where it is such an easy place to start because there are just so many bottles being consumed on a daily basis and especially with uh, many different winemakers and wine producers that I've had the privilege of talking to, such as yourself. I know this is a problem that everyone wanted to solve and wants to solve. So, yeah, I mean, we created this company to try to tackle those issues and um, also want to caveat. We are not the only company doing this. There are several others um, coming into the space and have been in the space um but you know we're we're taking i think a slightly different approach and trying to scale it in a in a different way so yeah that's yeah it's
0: it's really exciting like just for anybody out there i mean i'm so glad of what you guys are doing with Oom, and you're locally based to me so it's you know very very cool and very uh you know near and dear to me and i'm you know, I feel like I'm part of it, but yeah, like I, you know, I've found out about this happening in Europe with the company doing it in New York. Um, you know, I know Jansen Robinson, Robinson is a huge proponent of bring attention to the issue, like the big elephant in the room when it comes to the emissions footprint of wine being the glass bottle. Um, Diana Snowden says who there's a great episode with her, uh, you know, a half a year ago, um, is you know in northern california starting a line uh, she's i mean I, i'm not going to steal her thunder but she has a lot to say about this um and is working to try to find solutions in in that area as well but yeah you guys are are you know doing some really cool stuff and and i think just to start out with like why <laughs> why with wine it's so such a big deal like I, I mean i don't know that either of us have the direct statistics but we I think we know that it's something like 50% or more of wine's emissions footprint is from the glass bottle. Is that, is that what you're aware of?
1: Yes. I mean, and also Diana um, addresses this on the podcast that she's on with you where, and and, you know, she is a producer and she has done the impact analysis of this and I definitely take her word for it. And it is apparently 50 to 75%, which does make sense to me. Um, And I mean, while other similar uh, I think for wine specifically it is it is a much larger impact.
0: Yeah, it's crazy to think about like how I mean you know everything that you do in wine it's like the bottle is like potentially 70% of of the, the footprint uh, mm. of wine. Um, and you even had this crazy story where you had people contacting you about you know getting bottles from you or getting bottles to you from across the country. Can you tell that story like what, I mean, just based on the the numbers that you have, what that actually looks like in comparison to like, like reusing and recycling or reusing the bottles versus creating from new?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, we've had several uh, winemakers and producers reach out to us when they heard about our service and you know, when we told them we're based in LA that they could send the collected bottles over to us. And then once it's sanitized and cleans, we can send it back to New York. They really, really uh, were concerned because they said, Hey, with the transportation and everything, doesn't that defeat the purpose? And actually when you look at the numbers, and um, this is different uh, research reports and whatnot that have been done from various universities and governments, whatnot. And when you look at reusing a glass bottle versus creating it from new and, or even recycling it, melting it down and um, creating a new bottle from that, it uses 92% less energy, 82% less water and 85% lower carbon footprint. Um, Because also that glass bottle, when we talk about the life cycle analysis of that, it can go thousand plus uses, so the amount of conservation that we can have from just simply reusing glass bottles, and this isn't just about wine; this is any glass bottle. It is immense amount of um, just conservation that we have in terms of resources and much less uh, lower carbon footprint.
0: And it's not, you know not to say that we shouldn't try to keep it local because you know any emissions reduction <laughs> is great, yeah. Um, but yeah, just that I mean the scale of that that percentage is is of of how much energy it takes and how much emissions are created by creating a new bottle or re or smelting and reblowing a bottle is incredible to think about um now this is i mean this is a you have you got um has pretty big vision right you you intend to be national potentially is do you want to talk about where you're headed or do you are you guys still too too early days you want to just
1: no, I mean, we can definitely share our vision. Um, right now, we have launched in LA, and we're incredibly lucky to have a lot of supporters uh, locally. And, you know, our, our larger vision is that we want this to be national in the next few years. Um, we're actively fundraising because of that to expand and grow. And, you know, our entire goal is to change the way consumers are consuming their everyday products, which includes wine. Um, the biggest challenge is, I think, how do we make sure that there's scalable adoption? That scalable adoption comes with a very specific model where we cannot change consumers' behavior. So the way that they purchase, the way that they consume can't really change. That behavior can't change, but what we do with it afterwards, that can change because we know recycling doesn't work. We know that that's a big myth. And, you know, this can exist on a global scale. And in different countries, such as um, a lot of them in Europe and Asia and even South America, this is something that is already ingrained into their system and society. So what we've done is bring this to the US, try to make this as scalable and as um, really easy as possible and modernize the system.
0: Yeah, and we should say you're a mission-based company. Um, and that's where the name comes from, right? <laughs> Absolutely.
1: <laughs> um, so, Oom stands for our only mission: Earth. And the reason we came up with that is really there is no Plan B. I know that you know there's a lot of different conversations happening about exploring space and you know trying to colonize Mars. Maybe we don't. <laughs> do that in the episode. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> you know there there are many other um, options that people think that we have. And really, there really, really isn't. We need to preserve what we have here right now for the next generation and the future generations after that. So that is wholly what we're doing. And the the business model that we've come up with is really trying to create an entirely new economy that exists around circularity and exists around um, this thought of... Everyone in the entire chain can benefit, whether that's a consumer, whether that's a brand, whether that's us as a company, whether that's anyone in between, can all benefit from this.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I'll just throw it out there. I mean, wine for me, this is the 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 where this gets me is I the way that I think about wine is this uh, it's it's this art, you know, it's this art, it's a craft, it's a it's an elective thing that we we do for the purpose of enhancing our lives, you know, for the purpose of, you know, bringing pleasure and joy and, you know, feeding those parts of ourselves that can't be fed with just, you know, the stuff that you can eat, you know, the physical, this is, it's a spiritual beverage in that sense. And it, it, uh, it kills me to think about that substance, a substance that, you know, really what's behind it is this sort of desire to, to, to bring joy and, and laughter and, and, you know, connection in life being a source of degradation of the environment and destruction of life. And, and I think anything we can do to, to change that, to reduce that, to, to, you know, to, to flip that on its head uh, is extremely necessary and only in keeping with what wine is truly all about and so i mean this is why it's you know deeply important to me in uh, on many levels um just why wine is such a great place to start as well it's such a smart place to start because i think it, it it becomes this um expression of of why we're you know why we're here like why we're doing what we're doing on earth besides just like the daily grind you know the 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 stuff that makes life worth living um i how did sorry (laughs) yeah sorry i i i mean i i said all that to really just lead into like how did you get to this point in your life like what what's your story like where did you come from and and yeah like how did you get to this point
1: phew loaded question (laughs) Um,
0: well, I know it's personal for you. So I, I, I guess, like, you know, was it a, you know, I, I'm wondering if there were like a series of things that happened or a, an epiphany moment or, you know, anything like that that, you know, led you to this.
1: I would say the biggest catalyst for moving into this space um, and really knowing that I needed to find a path for myself within circularity, within sustainability is from my time in Europe. Um, I had the fortunate chance of living there um, for five years, several years back. And once I was there, I just saw how much it was really ingrained in their lives that, you know, just everyone did their part to conserve as much as possible. Um, Whether that's really making sure recycling is done properly or to be able to bring back glass bottles um, to be reused. I mean, this is a, a thing that has been going on in Europe for for so long. I mean, forever actually. And um, you know, they they I think also still have a, a ways to go in terms of scaling that to all of their products. But certain industries, especially such as wine beverage. Etc. They they did a great job of reusing bottles, and when I came back to the U.S., um, you know, once you see it, you can't unsee it. So yeah. when I saw that there was no outlet or there was just no um, option for us to be able to be more responsible when it is a possibility, that's something that I think catapulted me into this entire space. Um, And I had the fortunate chance of working and meeting with uh, my co-founder, Emily. She was very much enlightened on the same path. I mean, she traveled throughout the world, um, very similar to me. She studied in different places and she knew that things could be different. And that's why she and I uh, came together to make sure that we could do as much as we can in whatever capacity we could to try to change that. And, you know, there's, sometimes it feels like a very daunting task, right? We say, okay, so how much can we possibly do just by ourselves? But actually, if each person just contributes a little bit, that and everyone is doing that um, to a little bit or a certain level, that as a collective makes a very big movement. And I think that's kind of where we're coming from. I and mean, That's the energy that we are trying to um, bring forth.
0: When you got into this, there were some big problems to solve, um, and I know there still are, and we're going to talk about those. But what were what are some of the things like? What are some of the successes and things that you've already gotten beyond? Like, what are the what made this possible to start?
1: Well, I mean, the biggest challenge that we saw again is that. From a reuse perspective, I mean, that concept isn't new either. There's always bulk grocery aisles, um, there's refill shops, whatnot. So it's not that this concept is even new, even for the U.S. It's that the onus really was on the consumer to go and, you know, be responsible enough to bring your own container, um, go to a aisle or shop that may not have exactly the same brand that you want to have or, or is your favorite Um, And so you're dealing with limited selection, you're dealing with um, the burden from a consumer standpoint of having to make that choice yourself, and um, being okay with that. And so the biggest thing that we try to solve, and and the way that we approached it was, okay, well, that's not going to be scalable, because not every consumer is going to do that. Then how do you make it so that it's scalable in a way where it really changes the game, and it can move the needle? And at that point, the, the focus then has to be you can't change that consumer behavior. And that's what I was talking about before. So we really looked into then the only option is to make it a system where the consumer can continue to buy their products as they normally would in any store, online, um, wherever. And that purchase behavior doesn't change. And so what that means is that then we have to figure out a way to collect all of the materials. And in our case, it's glass, ceramic, porcelain, uh, stainless steel that can then be sanitized and reused and, and given back to the brands. So that was the first and foremost challenge, I think. It's, it's thinking about it in the right model where it can be scaled on a national and global level. And for us, it came through... <laughs> Uh, I mean, many, many years of R&D, because when you think about all the different products that are out there, they're all in various different shapes, sizes, formats, etc. So, you know, how do you effectively, one, sort, number two, clean, and number three, get it back to the brands? Because aside from wine, what we do with brands is that their bottles and their containers are collected sanitized and sent back to them and the different brands are never mixed together it's actually completely siloed for that brand only um and so in order to do that then the other challenge is is that how do you even clean these different formats we started looking into the different machinery that's available the the technology that's available and because also this only works in or this was only really prevalent in Europe and Asia and South America, it's only the the machinery that's out there was only formed for a specific format. So what I mean is that if you get a water bottle, a glass water bottle from a specific company, that is the only thing it will really be able to clean. And so that's the other major challenge is how do you crack it so that it's actually not a single format? And how do you enable all of these different formats to come in because that's how you scale too um the, or, or otherwise the other option is is you're telling every single brand out there to use exactly the same thing and from a cpg company standpoint they're just never going to do that uh,
0: because they want <laughs> wait what does cpg product. stand for
1: oh consumer product goods it, it's Got just it. the okay. whole Got yeah it. category of all these different verticals and um you know from a large brand standpoint, they want that product differentiation. There's a reason why they created that specific shape, size, color, uh, marking, whatever it is for that bottle and container that their product is in. And, right. um, you know, yeah, that, that was our, our biggest challenge, but we were able to figure that out and, you know, we're, we're really, excited to bring that to um, all the brands that we're working with and the potential future brands that we're working with. Um, yeah, I mean, that that's the largest piece of it. Um, and so I would say, yes, that is the biggest challenge. But then that's where we've had the biggest success in figuring out how to actually um, really handle and be able to process all of these different shapes and sizes, um, because that effectively opens up the channel of all of these verticals being able to participate in a reuse program and initiative for their consumers. And what that means for the consumer is all of your favorite products from your favorite brands, as long as they participate in this type of program, you can also participate with your favorite products and you're not limited in your selection, which is great. And I think that's really what the challenge is to make sure that um, you know systemic change is made, is having that um, choice and that availability for the consumer, but also then having the brand be able to work with that and, you know, not interrupt their business either, because I mean, that that will also take big change if we're asking them to change their, um, you know, their way of operating fundamentally, and that that won't happen either. So that's, I think, our biggest win in making sure that we can bridge that for both consumers and for the brands. And the second part of it, I think, is making sure that it's as convenient as possible. So what what I mean by that is not just from a purchase behavior, but when you return it, how convenient is that? Um, if you have to go out of your way, it's likely not going to happen. So yeah. what we're doing is trying to make sure that there's um, a lot of different drop-off points within your own community that you can actually just schedule a pickup to your doorstep. I mean, there are a lot of different ways that we can ensure that adoption is maximized.
0: Yeah, I mean, so, well, one of the things that you're doing is working with distributors and salespeople who are already going out to these places where people are, you know, where there will be empty bottles. Cause they're going to, <laughs> they're going to retail shops and they're going to yeah restaurants all, you know, all the places where people are, you know, tasting by the glass and then there's going to be empty, empty bottles. Um, and I think that's just such a smart thing where like these people could, I mean, in a, you know, as this develops, these people could essentially be earning a double wage because they could be getting paid for making a sales call while they're also getting paid for picking up empty bottles. Is that a reality that, yeah, that's something you, you guys envision, right?
1: Exactly. I mean, because, and that's what we mean by creating a completely new economy around circularity. There's a chance where there's uh, so much benefit for all different parties involved that just didn't exist before. And, um, that it is absolutely leveraging the network that's already in place. We don't need to turn that upside down. People are already going certain places and we can uh, just piggyback off of that. And secondly, the benefit to that is that it lowers our carbon footprint. Like we're not making props either. Um, It's it's really being done in within that entire flow. And I mean, that gets me into a very, uh, Interesting conversation about wine because our wine bottle program is actually completely different than uh, the work that we do with brands, where you know all of their bottles and containers are siloed. But from a wine bottle perspective, that is not done per wine producer or uh, winemaker. It's actually collected as a whole where we sanitize, and this is the only part of the business where we kind of operate as a, a you know bottle supplier, where we will sell the reused or, you know, quote unquote salvage glass back to uh, winemakers and wine producers.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. I I mean, I can talk from personal experience and and this will be a way into you, you know, bringing up some of the, the these other things that are really, I, you know, I think important for everybody to hear. You know, I'm a small producer and For me, I you know a small producer with who you know admittedly is very ecologically minded and cares more about that than I do about any um, uniform branding message. My branding is this idea that Centralis is a ecological winery. So the choice, you know, in a sense, I'm the perfect candidate for this because I can, uh, you know, I can have a bunch of different bottle shapes and I can explain that to the people who buy Centralis because, you know, they already know, or, you know, that's the way I talk about Centralis anyway, which is, you know, uh, the number one consideration is how we're impacting the earth and, and, and how to minimize that and, or, you know, make that impact beneficial actually. And if that means every bottle is a different, slightly different shape, then I'm cool with that. You know, I might be unique in that, (laughs) you know, there might, there might be other people who want consistency, but Let's say there are other people out there. I mean, I think in the natural wine movement, we have a lot of small boutique brands who are run by, you know, people who aren't boards. They're not part of these big corporate things. They're, um, I mean, I think in, the, in wine in general, whether it's natural or not, there's a lot of that where it's, you know, it's, it's family run or it's a, a couple individuals who are making these decisions. If somebody cared enough about reducing their emissions and the emissions of the glass bottle what what could you say like what are the things that we could be doing as an industry at, at, just starting with those of us who actually can just make that decision today as we're buying our bottles like what could we do better
1: so we've been really fortunate that all of the wine makers and producers um, restaurants wine bars distributors that we've talked to are very much in support of our mission and what we're trying to do. And, um, we're, we're always very excited to see that as a company and just seeing all of the support is, um, really encouraging. And so that's why we've also tackled the wine part of our business, um, as one of our key priorities because there's so much room for change and a, and a pretty radical change quickly. Um, As we've launched um, about a month ago, um, our our official service, we've collected thousands and thousands of bottles of wine, which it's amazing already to see just all that impact that's even just from this local perspective of uh, the amazing partners that we have, we've salvaged those thousands of bottles from not making it into actual recycling and then being able to actually reuse that. As we're processing them to fulfill these orders um, from winemakers, what we're realizing is is two major challenges. Um, I mean, there's a lot of other challenges that are you know, <laughs> in the background, and I can go into that later. But the two major ones I would say is one, the variety of all the different bottle shapes and sizes, and two, the labels. So and I know. I just want to
0: say these are two things that two big important things that we listening to this could actually have uh, have have the power to change and effect for the better. Is that correct? Is that fair to say? I believe like those, that. Uh, What I mean is like assuming that people <laughs> listening may be small producers, there may be no small producers or they are involved in the wine industry, um, you know, Or they're big producers but they have some some level of connection to the wine industry these are these are thoughts that we can wrap our head around that will that we could like this isn't just on you is what i'm saying it's not just on um this is like what you're about to tell us is stuff that if we are open to it we could actually change and benefit the world by our behavior is that correct
1: yeah, and I think that's really the hope, um, and that's why it's it's really important, I think, for us to really share our findings as we've been processing at scale and as we've yeah. been, um, you know, dealing with all these incoming bottles. Because, you know, from let's just talk about the wine bottles and shapes. Um, that is, I I think something that could be addressed. Um, quite easily. But again, I'm not a wine producer and um, a winemaker, so it might be easy for me. I don't know how easy it is. Um, on that side, Adam, you tell me. But for example, I mean, from all of, again, thousands of bottles that we have, we have hundreds of different different sizes and shapes. That poses a very, very large problem because yes, e- while we can sort it, it's extremely, extremely hard to sort right now. Um for exactly the same bottle. So for example, if we even have a dark burgundy glass, even that same dark burgundy glass is not the same across all producers and all the ones that we're getting in that are dark burgundy. And why that's such an issue is is that once we start trying to uh, distribute and and sell these uh, reusable wine bottles to larger producers that are using an automated bottling line, the bottling line can't take Bottles, if they're not exactly identical, it'll stop the line and that incurs an, an immense amount of cost for the wine producer. And right. so, I mean, that already precludes us from working with a lot of these wine producers who actually at, at that scale can make the biggest impact too for what right. is out there. Um, so that's that's challenge number one. Um, then when we talk about labels, that becomes a larger issue. Let's just say we've already solved the issue of, you know all the bottles of a specific type are consistent. Then then we talk about the labels. All the labels are being sourced from different places. And even within one wine producer, there are several different types of labels too that I'm I'm realizing. Um, And it's because of the temperature and putting into ice baths versus condensation versus not. And I understand why the different labels are there for a reason. But without it... um, being more or less i I hate the word using the standard using the word standardized because that has certain connotation to it but without using certain type of labels some bottles even though we get it in it will just be impossible to make it look like new and at that point we cannot send it back to the producer ever
0: right yeah i I mean and i'll just i'll just confess like it as much thought as i put into everything that i do for centralis i think i selected bad labels is that right <laughs> for at least some of one of my bottles uh
1: yeah and i mean there's no way that you could have known because and this is actually fundamentally where we start working with different brands not even just from a wine perspective but across all different verticals when we start talking about um, implementing a reusable initiative and producing from the beginning with that mindset then your choices of your material your filling your labels all comes from that space and it has to come from that space from the beginning Uh, and it's, it's not anyone's fault because as this was originally being produced that was never a concern um what we realize is that for example some labels are coated in plastic that is extremely hard to come off if it's lined with aluminum extremely hard to come off um and then aside from even the material of the label then we have to talk about the adhesive what kind of adhesive was used for that material that's on there. Um, And these are all the different nuances and uh, considerations that have to be put in when you're first trying to produce this. And I think that's why this conversation is so important because as people become more aware, you know, we can make those conscious choices.
0: I mean, this is what I was going to say. It's, I, I will break it down, you know, from, from the producer side. So I don't know if you've spoken to, let's start with labels, any, any printers, any label printers, Um, but it would be, I think it would be great. I think what would be super helpful is if we had, if, you know, if we had guidance from you um, like a specs page of like, here are parameters for labels that we could just, you know, literally copy and paste and send to our printer and say, this is the kind of label that I want. And know that that was going to be a label that was easily removable and made this a a lot easier of a process um and then this you know with bot when it comes to bottles it's i mean that's that one i I say that i started with that one first because i feel like that's kind of an easier one to tackle like i can you know i mean i've switched printers a couple times you know sometimes like i'll go to a printer and their lead time because it'll be you know everybody's trying to print labels and they're a popular Winemaking label printer, you know, their lead time will be like two months and I'll be, I have to go to somewhere else because I need a bottle before two months. So then I'm, you know, going to a new producer. And so I, you know, if I, I, you know, if I have to go through the process of researching what they're doing every time, yeah, I think... There are, you know, I've gotten to know a lot of different things about labels that I didn't ever think, you know, yeah. I would ever get to know um, based on this. But this just it seems like there's uh, another easy step that we could take, which would be like, here are the parameters that I would like for my label. I, you know, and, you know, pretty much every printer has that option. But if you don't know that, they're probably going to default to certain things that, you know, are easy for them or cheaper for them or whatever it is, um, you know, give, you know. It could be anything. Um, So, I mean, that would be great. But then from a producer standpoint, I'm thinking, I I mean, I I can say here in California, and this would be different wherever you are in the world, obviously, and, you know, apply it there. But I think we're getting glass through a company called M.A. Silva. I mean, not we. I say we as an industry, which is Chinese glass, Chinese manufactured glass. And then a company called Arda, Group, which is, I, th- I think, local. I think it's California Glass. Um, I think if we, those of us who cared, could decide on a few specific versions from Arda, um, I mean, I, I don't know how easy is it, it's going to be to have a conversation with the Chinese company. Maybe it would be. I don't know. Maybe we can talk to both of them. But it seems like we'd have to start there and start with, like, can we... Uh, you know, I was going to say, try to align the production parameters for glass coming from (laughs) both different streams. Like, can you offer this exact same size, uh, you know, as one of your options? I mean, obviously we're not saying get rid of everything else, but like, if you have that option, then those of us who care about these things could select that every time. Um, Is that, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts about this? Is this stuff that you've been considering or looking into?
1: For the bottles, we would recommend if we as an industry, and I say we as in winemakers, which I am not part of, but I am (laughs)
0: perfect. No, please um, go ahead.
1: Yeah, if we could agree on one manufacturer for now. And the reason I say even one manufacturer is because even with even if the bottles are done to quote unquote the same spec, because it's from two different producers, even if it's exactly the same. Type, it will never really be identical unless their production process is identical. That's really what right. we're finding. Right. Yeah. Um, that's what
0: I guessed. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, and that's why I, from my perspective, I don't know how much of a challenge that is from a winemaker and wine producer side, but if it is possible to align on, Hey, there's this one company that we will purchase from and it's these four SKUs. And I say four because, you know, let's say two for dark and two for clear. Then we know yeah. that all the bottles coming in, at least for the U.S. or North America, for example, the ones that are being produced here, are always going to be consistent and can then be consistently sent out to all the wine producers who are purchasing from us. And it won't be a problem within their filling line and their bottling line, uh, whether that's hand-bottled, hand, hand bottled, whether that's automated bottling lines, whatever that is. And it just makes the process so much smoother Um, From both our perspective of cleaning and but also from the producers who are ordering, because I think actually, Adam, you and I were having a conversation separately a few days ago about for labels, if you're getting them in assorted different uh, shapes and sizes for the same vintage and the same line then because the the shape is going to be different for the bottle then what do you make your label it can't be the same as bordeaux and burgundy anymore right because the size of that bottle is now changing because of the curvature
0: yeah so, so i mean a lot of that's different
1: considerations.
0: yeah i mean you definitely have to take into consideration like people's creativity <laughs> and that <laughs> and I, and i guess the reality is um you know, the ask here is like, give up some of your individuality for the greater good. I mean, like if if I'm going to boil it down, it's like, yeah, I, I get that we all want to be special, but be special in a in a uniform way, <laughs> like because your specialness kind of makes it impossible to reuse bottles and your bottles are costing the earth a lot of a lot of uh, emissions. Um I, you know, I think that's kind of the ask and I'm willing to go there. Like for me, that's an easy one. I, you know, for some people, maybe that's harder to say yes to. And, but yeah, I think, I I mean, I think you still have a lot of variety. Like I think the, with labels, it's not so much like that you can't have individuality in a label. It's more in the material, right? Like the material is the issue. So you can have any shape and color and, you know size that fits your bottle um but use use a material that is easy to remove so that it can be reused and washed and got get back out in the stream but yeah with bottles i mean i think that just is what it is i mean i think it's time we all admit that the bottle doesn't have any impact on flavor or quality of wine so use the lightest weight bottle and why don't we make them consistent like I don't know if <laughs> I actually wrote a, a blog post about the impenetrable wall of wine. And if you aren't in wine, like if you aren't on the inside and you go into any grocery store aisle of wine right now, it they all look the same anyway. Like I don't care how fancy your label is or what bottle shape your little flower on the bottom of your, on the base of your bottle you've, you know, had blown in or whatever. It's like, to the lay consumer, like it is just a wall of wine. They don't like, it's four shelves of stuff that is a totally different language. And so let's just admit that, like just standardize, (laughs) you know, and really a lot of it is the same stuff. It's it's sort of like that old um, joke with like, you know, where they have the, the Burger King, McDonald's, Hardee's, you know, God, Hardee's is a throwback, but whatever the, jack-in-the-box and everything all above ground and then you there's a cutaway and below ground they're all coming from the same factory you know it's all like the same production facility below ground um i mean i think that's a reality for most of the grocery store wine any anyway but if i'm talking to my fellow you know small producers it's like you know most of us aren't like we're not standing out on the shelf anyway most of us aren't on shelves to be honest like We're hand sells. We're in, we're in bars and restaurants. We're at tasting rooms. You know, we are, it's, there's already an individuality in the way that we're being sold. And we, if we had a standardized bottle, it wouldn't matter. Nobody would know like that we were all using the same bottle, frankly. Like, I mean, we just like, (laughs) yes, if you lined us up on a shelf, they'd be like, Hey, wait a minute. But the way that we sell our wines for the most part is is not like that. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Does that answer your question? <laughs> did I, did I...
1: <laughs> Yes, I definitely. I mean, because the example of of a country doing this extremely well, where all of the wine producers have aligned, for example, is New Zealand. They have mm. exactly the same bottles, which are twist off, um, for all of their wine, and they uh-huh. did this so they can reuse and so that it can be um, implemented at scale. And so what I notice when I get um, any New Zealand produced wine is that the labels to your, exactly to your point are extremely creative in their design on what is there, but everything else is, you know, quote unquote standardized so that it is efficient and everyone can get those bottles back as much as possible. So, I mean, if we can align around that, I think the change that we would be able to, I'm sorry, my, my, my dogs
0: are <laughs> adorable.
1: Uh, yeah, the change, and they agree apparently. So the change <laughs> to affect as an industry, I think would be massive because again, just from roughly a month of us operating with all of the different um, partners that we have with restaurants, wine bars, um, tasting rooms, etc., we have uh, thousands and thousands of bottles. And that is, that to me is so encouraging and so amazing. And if we can yeah. actually get all of those back, to all the different winemakers and wine producers out there that would actually really make a significant impact
0: it would and i'm 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 just thinking like i you know I'm, i hate to put this burden on your shoulders but i feel like you are you're the one <laughs> you're the one you're you're the one neo um <laughs> uh,
1: other companies that are also trying to tackle this problem of which we are one um <laughs> we've had the fortunate you know chance of connecting with really really great winemakers and different people around this industry that are rallying around this and especially you adam even with this podcast are giving us the platform to talk about this and to try to
0: well,
1: really get and, everything. And,
0: and that's it i mean that's what i mean i'm totally kidding obviously i want this to happen everywhere i want these to spring up everywhere but the and that's why we're doing this. I mean, let's, you know, that's why we talked about doing this to, to you know, to solve these problems. And for other people who want to replicate this and, you know, in their special location, spe- special, I mean, everywhere special, specific location. <laughs> um, these are the things that we, you'll need to think about. You know, these are the problems that you need to solve there too. And I, I guess what I mean is, I think we, you, you and I, personally like have to take this on our shoulder to be the the people that are like okay we're not just talking about it we're actually having these we're we're setting the standards we're asking people to make these changes we're we're going to be you know let's let's set a standard bottled size i mean is that something you're you're able to i mean yeah like i i guess what's the next step like how do we get to that thing of like let's say everybody who's listening so far is 100 on board with us and they're like okay what bottle size do we use <laughs> what do we do next
1: uh, we are very very happy to work with any producer that wants to standardize and or just understand best practices even if it comes to labels the type of adhesive whatnot we have right an entire document that outlines best practices um, with our recommendations based on our findings. And, you know, we, it doesn't even have to be a long thing. If you're like, Hey, to your point earlier, I just want to send this to the label maker. We can send that over to you too. It's very easy on our side. And we're so happy to have that conversation. In fact, we would rather have that conversation. So when it comes to us processing and getting this back out there in circularity, it just becomes so much easier. And if, you know, we as um, in the US can rally behind this, I mean, again, I think the impact would just be so tremendous.
0: So do you have you have bottle specs, actually, like do you, for for producers?
1: I don't have the exact specs. But okay, we, again, I think this is more of a conversation. And maybe actually, this is opening up the conversation to let's have a round table. With all the major and small, it does however many people there need to be, it doesn't have to be the major even the smaller wine producers too, right? Let's have a round table. And if we can have that kind of, you know, Zoom conference and whatnot in the coming weeks and we agree, hey, we're, let's say consistently, it looks like most people are getting it from this manufacturer and what your needs are in terms of your wine is it's these four SKUs let's please align on that. And if we can, again, it just would be such a tremendous change.
0: I love that. Yeah. I I mean, I guess, I guess this is the first conversation of some, some more conversations about how to make this a reality and and to, to, I mean, I'm thinking of two things here. One of which is there's so many um, different shaped bottles already out in circulation that we will, still have to deal with otherwise it's like do we all just have everybody start buying new bottles um which seems against the whole idea like buy the same new bottles no it's like but if you are if i mean obviously like you might not be able to meet their need yet so if you do have to buy new bottles um we should be having that conversation of which new bottles we're going to be having i i really yeah i feel like this is a conversation that needs to be had at at, at some big, some high levels um, around at least California. I mean, if we, if we think from a state level, if we think like New Zealand has done it, um, maybe, yeah, that thinking at that level is, is going to be a game changer. You know, what I mean, it could set a pretty massive precedent.
1: Yeah, because I mean, I know individual winemakers and producers, I mean, even such as yourself or even Diana Snowden-Says, so many people have thought about this individually. It's just that I don't think there's a format or forum where everyone comes together during a specific conference, for example, where we have this discussion and can really have that um, insightful conversation and, you know, just have that open open dialogue of what is best. And because, again, I don't, it's very difficult for me to say, oh, you know, get it to exactly this spec um, because I'm not a wine producer and I don't mm-hmm. want to, you know, enforce any specific idea or any specific format. But if, you know the, the ones that are doing it and know exactly what they need if we can rally around even four different SKUs that already helps so much and maybe yeah. I don't know like where there's a I know uh, Raw was just in Los Angeles so we missed we just missed that um, window but I know the next one is in New York in October yeah maybe it starts there where we hold a I don't know a roundtable discussion forum whatever it is
0: yeah fantastic well i will say this the two immediate actions that i think every producer can take are being open to if they're getting bottles from Oom, for example if they're getting or getting any reused bottles from any producer any anybody who's like Oom um doing something similar to be open to different shaped bottles you know to make that a selling point um yeah i let you know that we're actually putting that on our labels that these are reused bottles by Earth is is now listed on every label and i probably chose the wrong label again but anyway <laughs> at least i'm I'm, <laughs> I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm doing something right um <laughs> awesome. but no, it's all in the right direction <laughs> yeah but i mean it's like i said it's embracing this the the fact that people like if you order three of our bottles um in a three pack or something like that you're gonna be like wait a minute is this the same wine they're all different shaped bottles and it's like yes this is this is the intention like we're, we're doing something really good um and then the other thing is i can start now that i know ordering better labels <laughs> that that are easier to, easier to wash off and that's something everyone listening can do and you have those specs um so that's this is you know gonna be hopefully something that people can reach out to you or, or actually will be posted maybe something that you can post
1: yeah, um, it'll be in a blog format. Um, okay, it'll,
0: great.
1: It'll be a link from our website and um, I it'll also be a link on, um, I can make it as a link on our Instagram page and whatnot as well.
0: That's fantastic. And then I just think as a consumer, I think it's being open to this, being open to the idea that um, you might buy two bottles from Centralis and they'll both be different shaped even though it's the same wine. <laughs> um, or that, you will in the future be buying all of your wine in the same shape bottle and that's totally okay. Like you, mm-hmm. you know, it's, that's actually really, really good thing. Um, You know, you don't need some fancy bottle. It doesn't need to be heavy. It doesn't need to look like all curvy and special. Um, yeah. Um Just anyway, throwing that out. So there, w- are there any other like direct takeaways or can, and can you talk about, you know, the resources that, you have like your website and stuff like that
1: yeah so i think from a smaller producer perspective a lot of the um, winemakers that we've spoken to they are very open to having different shapes and sizes they're just actually that's great it's quirky because then our our customers will know that we're participating in this program and that's kind of the
0: exactly um, yeah
1: um to what you were saying before and that's amazing um so that, that's number one. I hope consumers can rally around that and understand that. Um, second, I'm very much looking forward to having this conversation and kind of discussion and um, kind of forum with different producers as well to try to figure out how we can standardize this in the future. And you know, I, I really appreciate all the support that comes from the industry, really. Um, and on our end, we have our website, which is oom.earth, um. so that's O-O-M. earth, where you can find a lot of different information, um, especially our blog posts have a couple different uh, topics that we're constantly adding to. We've just started, but um, it's growing. And the information that we've been talking about here, uh, that will also be posted there as a blog post too and we'll have a separate link for best practices and guidelines as well um, because we have a whole list for reusable packaging guidelines for all different brands but that's across different verticals and then we can have one that's specific for wine as well
0: great i love it um yeah this this is really exciting i mean i feel like this is such an important and positive change and the direction that really our industry needs to immediately move in. I mean, it, it seems like a no brainer to me. I know that we all might have our own little personal resistances to change <laughs> of, of, for various reasons. And and some of them are probably legitimate. But when you look at what what we could be doing, the benefits of potentially giving up some of those things, it just seems like such a so, like just we just got to do it <laughs> it just seems like yeah like i you know maybe these little sacrifices are we'll we'll eventually look back and be like yeah it wasn't such of a big sacrifice that was like uh totally worth it considering you know where we are and where we've gotten to with this um so thanks for being you know somebody who is making this happen amy really appreciate that
1: oh i mean We're just trying to do as much as we can. And, you know, again, we're really excited and so encouraged by all the support, not just from the brands and from the winemakers, but even just from the consumers. Uh, um, As I mentioned, we recently launched our consumer app, um, which is available iOS and Android. Um, And if you type in Oom reuse, it'll come up. But the amount of support that we've seen from consumers who actually want to participate in bringing back bottles, not just wine bottles, any bottle, but specifically wine bottles. um, It's, it's really great because it just shows that we as a whole collective um, from both sides of, you know, from producers to consumers are ready for this and want this. And, you know, we're, we're so excited to make sure that this um, you know, becomes national and becomes the new way of life.
0: Okay, great. Well, thank you so much. Well, we Hopefully this will just be the beginning.
1: Yeah, thanks so much, Adam, for inviting me on and having a discussion with me.
0: Okay, so I hope this conversation has gotten you fired up and has given you some concrete ways that you can make positive change and steer at least the U.S. wine industry toward a lower emissions future. And though Amy was reticent to give a specific direction on bottles, for those of you on the West Coast of the US, I'm going to list four bottle skews from our dog that I'm suggesting we all use starting right now if we're buying new glass. Uh, this will be on the page for this episode at organicwinepodcast.com. These bottles are the lightest weight bottles available in their shape, I think across the industry. There's a burgundy shape in dark green, a bordeaux shape in both dark green and clear, and a clear sparkling bottle. These four are cork finish, but I'll also include two Stelvin or screw cap finish bottle skews as well, in case that's what you use. Arda is our local producer of bottles in California, and even if you order from a different distribution company like Tricor Braun or something like that. They likely source or can source your bottles from R.DOT. Just ask and you can find out. And maybe switch to a different producer if you can't get from them. Yes, this conversation needs to continue and we need more input from everyone. But I think we can and need to just start somewhere. And I think these SKUs provide a great way to start at a grassroots level to facilitate a bottle reuse system. Hey, I'd also suggest just getting reused bottles from Oom or any bottle reuse company that's in your local area. But if you're buying new, this is the other track. Buy these specific bottles. We don't need to talk about this or advertise it, but if we all start buying only these SKUs, there will be traction based on sales data when we have these conversations at a higher level and start establishing region-wide reuse systems. And please, if anyone has better ideas or other considerations, I'd love to know. So please contact me at connect at organicwinepodcast.com. And to be clear, I'm not looking for reasons why you don't want to do this yourself. I'm looking for ways to move closer to a bottle reuse system in California, at least. Also, if you haven't discovered the Green Dreamer podcast with Kamea Shane, it's a fabulous podcast that asks some really important questions. And I have to recommend her recent interview. I think it was last week, episode 399, about the global sand trade. Even though most of us never think about it, sand is the most used natural resource after air and water. It is what we build our cities with, and it is what we drink our wine out of. But even though sand has been plentiful, and because of that we've taken it for granted, we don't have an infinite supply of even it, and its mining and extraction have real consequences. And that's what that podcast is about. I know it's a bit of a weird thing to bring up sand, but when I started thinking about sand, it made me realize that... This is how people once thought about the great redwood forests of California. They seem so immense as to be almost immeasurable and unfathomable. We could certainly cut them down as much as we pleased and we would never run out. But now we live in a world where our forests are largely plantations and the old growth redwood forests and their vital global ecology are so rare and so dwindled that most of us will never experience them again. It reminds me that I shouldn't take anything for granted. So the next time you put wine into or pour it out of a bottle, or the next time you look out your sand window while talking to your mom on your sand phone, and then go for a walk on your sand sidewalk or drive on your sand highway, remember that we don't have a plan B. This wonderful world is finite, and every bit of it can be used up, especially because of our disconnection from the source of the things we use every day.